Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Division for You Big Book Study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Today is Thursday, March 24th, 2022. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are currently on uh, page Roman numeral XXB. Uh, that's the doctor's opinion where it starts. We're going to read the first paragraph, which starts, We have Alcoholics Anonymous. And then Pete's going to read through three paragraphs, ending with, I have come to believe as hopeless. And we're going to comment on all three paragraphs. So today's readers, we have Carol Q on the 12 steps, Laura K on the 12 traditions. And the readers of the text are Pete B, Nancy T, and Lisa B. The share ID for Wednesday, March 23rd, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, that number is 18,726. That's 18726. For the 10 a.m. meeting, 18,727. That's, excuse me, 18727. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So as I'm coughing here, um, (laughs) I will now ask Carol Q to read the 12 steps. Take it away, Carol. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Larry, for your service. It's Carol Q, a recovered compulsive overeater in Ontario, Canada. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admit it, we're powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Then continued to take personal inventory, and when we are wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result 
of these steps, we try to carry the message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in our, all our affairs and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Carol. Okay, with the 12 traditions, we have Laura Kay. Good morning, Laura. Good morning, Larry. Thank you so much. Uh, this is Laura Kay, a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in New York. The 12 traditions of over, Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity and ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group are never endorsed finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, and COA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Laura. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share on what was read. <clears throat> Pete, you got a you got a cough too. <laughs> Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overreaders only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, for readers it's six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. And this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, uh, just press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then, of course, uh, mute your phone again by pressing star one. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And so today we're, we're, we're back in the big book. We're going to start the doctor's opinion. It begins on Roman numeral XXV. Uh, the first paragraph starts, We of Alcoholics Anonymous. And Pete's going to take us through three paragraphs, ending with, I had come to believe as hopeless. And we're going to comment on all the all three <laughs> paragraphs so pete good morning good morning larry thanks for taking the meeting my name is pete b i'm a compulsive overeater 
I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy. I'm grateful to be here and grateful to be of service. We of Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the reader will be interested in the medical estimate of the plan of recovery described in this book. Convincing testimony must surely come from medical men who have had experience with the sufferings of our members and have witnessed our return to health. A well-known doctor, chief physician at a, med- at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction, gave Alcoholics Anonymous this letter. To whom it may concern, I have specialized in the treatment of alcoholism for many years. In late 1934, I attended a patient who, though he had been a competent businessman of good earning capacity, was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. So, uh, yeah, that's good stuff. You know, I, I, I think when I, my, my, my first, my first, uh, I guess journey through the big book was was as a result of listening to Joe and Charlie uh, big book tapes, and that was you know that was really the my 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 first exposure. And and Joe and Charlie talked about you know how, um, you know as as alcoholics you know we're gonna we're gonna want to know like the fact that the doctor's opinion is in the beginning of the book it's super super important right because you know we're 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 folks that are going to want it. We're, we're going to want it from the horse's mouth and somebody that knows somebody that has experience with the condition. So, you know, the, the doctor's opinion where it is, you know, as, as the first thing most of us reads is super, super important because we're going to want it on authority. And, you know, it, and at this time, you know, I'm not a historian, don't want to be a historian. Don't think it, you know, it, it, it is what it is and, and grateful for the, for the folks that are there because I learned so much. But I just like to think of it like this is like, you know, this doctor is at the time the most prominent physician that deals with diseases of alcoholism and addiction. And he's and he is offering his opinion about the plan of recovery and about the condition that we suffer with. Right. So like this is like the Dr. Oz of our time of, of this time. Right. Like he's, he carries the most depth and weight or or, or uh, that guy, that other guy on CNN. Right. Like he's like this is this is the guy. And he, you know, contrary to what many people, you know, I think I think many physicians want to want to acknowledge and come to the conclusion like he's he his opinion is that there are ty- there are types of of alcoholics that are hopeless you know none of, nothing that they do is going to fix them there's no there's no medical way to address what what uh, what these people have and i think it's you know it, you know it, it, that is good and bad news because unless i'm going to speak for myself unless i started to relate to this to the condition I have as being hopeless, I never would have jumped into the, you know, the, the, the solution, which, which, which really, you know, contradicts every natural instinct that I have. Every instinct that, that maybe it's not natural, maybe, maybe developed instinct, but it, 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 it conflicts with every instinct that I have. You know, you don't, you know, you don't surrender, you know, you, you, you never stop fighting. Right. And, and, you know, th- this, this condition requires that I give up 
entirely. So, you know, like, I think it, it's important to emphasize the hopelessness of the condition, the hopelessness, even if you just potentially have this condition, you know, you, you know, because, you know, what happens, what happens with what's happened with me many times is I'm always hopeless on Monday, New Year's Day, you know, sober October, right? You know, whatever, always hopeless then, right? Like, you know, then, you know, a couple days later, maybe a couple weeks later, maybe a couple pounds later, well, maybe I was making too big a deal out of this thing. Maybe I'm not like the doc, what the doctor explains, right? And that's because that's the nature of the condition. The nature of the condition is, to, is, and I think the nature of human beings is to minimize this, right? The thought that the, the thought that I can rely on the memory of the pain and suffering that I went through um, is a thought that's nearly killed me on several occasions, right? We're going to read in here that the, that 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 the the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense. That something more than human power is needed. That no code of morals, no better philosophy of life will address it. Right? If we have this condition, and we are truly, in fact, hopeless, we have one alternative. Right? Not one option. Not one choice. One alternative. And that is to find a power greater than ourselves. And this is what this doctor is going to, uh, uh, is going to lay out for us. And with that, I'll pass. Uh, thanks for getting us started, Pete. Much appreciated. Okay, so um, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that we can get others to share as well. So with that said, who would like to share on what was read? Harlan G. Heidi Reva P. Heidi Reva. Tom A. Tom. Lisa B. Lena. Lena. Barbara G. Okay, let's start. Stop with Barbara for now for the first round. So let me tell you who we got. We got Harlan, Heidi, Reva, Tom, Lisa, Ilana, Lena, and Barbara. So let's, okay, so let's uh, start with Harlan, Heidi. So first up uh, is a uh, 14-time All-Star, Mr. Cub, Ernest Banks. Okay, my hero. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for taking the meeting. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. July 27, 1938, Bill is trying desperately to raise money they are broke. Him and Hank Parkhurst are broke. The book is not yet published. It will, won't be published till April the 10th, 1939. The letter, everything that we're going to read from To Whom It May Concern down to William D. Silkworth was written as a fundraising introduction. It was not written originally to be part of a book. It was not written for any other purpose than to introduce Bill and Hank as they endeavored to raise money so that they could complete the book project. But let's take a look at some of the stuff that's in here. The first part that Pete read was written by Bill Wilson, the part that says, We of Alcoholics Anonymous. Remember, Silkworth was not a part of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. And let's remember so something before we get into that. And I only have three minutes here. I can't do a special edition in three minutes. For thousands of years, thousands of years, 
people have wondered about alcoholism and decided that it was a form of madness, a form of witchery, lack of discipline, lack of character. Solomon, back in the Old Testament, believed that alcoholism was an illness, but he had no remedy for it and he couldn't prove it. A man in England, Dr. Trotter, in the 1640s in England, he believed that alcoholism was an illness, but he had no remedy for it and he couldn't prove it. The first Surgeon General of the United States of America, Dr. Benjamin Rush, he was appointed by George Washington. Dr. Benjamin Rush in 1790 published a paper in which he believed alcoholism was an illness, but he couldn't prove it, and he had no remedy for it. Notice I didn't use the word cure. Bill Wilson runs into Dr. Silkworth in April of 1933 as a patient in Towns Hospital in New York City. And again in April of 1934 in his second hospitalization. And in 1933 and 1934, Dr. Silkworth will give Bill his opinion on what alcoholism is, that it is an illness of the mind and an illness of the body. This is going to be the first time in history that anybody is going to come up with a practical definition of what alcoholism actually is. It was just based on observation. He had no way to prove it. But let's take a look, because I, don't, I only have a few seconds left. Let's take a look at the last word Pete read, hopeless. What does that mean, hopeless? It means out of ideas here. I had come to regard as out of ideas. And one of the prerequisites for my recovery is going to be, am I out of ideas? And what we're going to see unfolding in these opinions, I don't have the time, but what we're going to see here is an opinion that we're going to build the entire program around, because without this, there is no program, there is no book, there is no recovery, there is nothing. So with the little doctor who loved drunks, considered a medical saint by most of us. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, next up we have Heidi, followed by Reva. Heidi, Hi. good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thank you. Heidi B. from New York, um, recovered for today by God's grace and mercy. Um, yeah, there's so much here. And, um, you know, it, this paragraph begins with a promise. Um, you know, that's the first thing that my sponsor told me, right? It begins with we. Um, I'm not alone. Um, and there's, you know, I had to look up a lot of the words in this paragraph. And so yeah, I looked up believe and it says to accept something as true, um, feel sure of the truth of. And I looked up medical estimate and, and you know, it means um, a judgment or opinion. Um, and, and plan, a plan is a, you know, is something that's capable of causing someone to believe. And then convincing um, is something that's detailed enough um, to also to cause um, someone to, to believe. And, um, you know, I've heard it said, and it might've been Herb K, I don't remember, but um, he said, um, you know, it doesn't matter what you know, it doesn't matter what you think when we come in. It doesn't matter what we know. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what we feel. 
And it doesn't matter what we believe when we come in, but it does matter what we do. And what this is telling me is that, you know, um, whatever it is that I came in with, you know, I, it doesn't matter because what I need to believe and what I need to be convinced of um, is first that this is a program of action that's going to help me. But also, you know, this very last word is that, you know, I'm hopeless and without this program of action, um, there is, there is no help for me. Um, you know, and I'm just so grateful that I found this program um, so many years ago, even though it's taken me so long to even begin to understand it and I'm learning every day. And that's why I have to look up the words. <laughs> um, but I'm just so, so, so grateful. And um, thank you for letting me share my past. Oh, so glad you did, Heidi. Thank you. Okay, next up we have Reva followed by Tom. Hey, Reva, good morning. <clears throat> Good morning. Um, this is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Um, this is a huge remember when for me um, because I heard about this program from a doctor who happened to be working in one of the leading hospitals in the city and probably the country uh, when it came to, um, they called it eating disorders then, not food addiction. Um, and he gave me two things. He gave me um, the contact information for a hospital program, which I later attended, and the name of Overeaters Anonymous. And I have to say there is definitely for me some credibility when a doctor recommends something. Like I go to a doctor, they recommend something, um, and I follow the prescription. And then I come here, and I read this chapter and I see how it applies to me and I see how it gives me my diagnosis so that I can follow the plan of recovery that follows because if I don't have a diagnosis, why would I need the treatment? Um, so I'm so hugely grateful that just happened, which is really God doing for me um, way back then when I didn't know any better. And what strikes me so much is this, the wording of plan of recovery. It doesn't say plan of sobriety. It says plan of recovery, which means this return to health, right? Return to health of mind and body. This is not just about abstinence only. If I am a real compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety. And that word hopeless, you know, it didn't matter how um, overweight or underweight I was when I came in. It didn't matter how smart or not smart I was. Um, I had to be hopeless. I had to be desperate. And I don't think hopelessness is a one-time thing. I don't think it's just, oh, way back I was hopeless, I did the steps, and like now I'm recovered. Every day I have to remember, I wake up, I've only got my 24-hour reprieve. And without keeping my channel open and strong and staying connected to this power that I still don't understand but does for me what I can't do for myself, I'm still hopeless. Um, so I'm so grateful for the humility of this doctor who was the first of his time to really branch out there and say, I don't know, but these people over here, these testimonials over here, have a way of hope, have a way out. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. Okay, we have 
Tom uh, is next, followed by Lisa. Good morning, Brother Tom. Thank you, Larry. Tom A. from Greenbelt, Maryland, uh, recovered compulsive eater. Glad to be here. Uh, glad we're talking about this, uh, the doctor's opinion today. Uh, I, I use the doctor's opinion all the time for myself and for others that, that the, the notion of the phenomenon of craving is to me the most powerful part of what this says that uh, I, I, you know, as much as I wanted to deny that I had the phenomenon of craving, uh, I know what it is to not be able to stop. I can't stop. That was my hopelessness. And so I agree with that. I am interested in the medical estimate of the plan of recovery uh, because it used to baffle me. I used to eat sugar compulsively and I, I didn't know what a diabetic was, but I thought maybe I was a diabetic. And so this book and the doctor's opinion helped me to understand myself. And it gives me another gift uh, from my own experience. Again, I can see that the disease is progressive. It gets worse. And so I may not feel like my hopelessness is as bad as your hopelessness today, but I can guarantee it'll get worse. And it's already bad enough. And so that gives me enough hopelessness to want to admit complete defeat, which Bill says we need to do, admit complete defeat. I, I don't have any other options. The, the thing that uh, is a little troubling to me about this paragraph is that he says the reader will be interested in the medical estimate of the plan of recovery. Convincing testimony will, will help us. And so we, we want this help. But at the same time, we have a tradition that says we have no opinion on outside issues. And so the 2022 version of uh, a doctor's opinion about compulsive eating and overeating, we're not interested in because uh, it's an outside issue. And I wonder if, if uh, and, and I understand there's no simple way to, to deal with that, but it, uh, I, I just find it perplexing that we rely on a, an opinion from the 1930s as our science. Uh, and I also appreciate that we don't need to have science. We have personal experience, and that's what we share, our experience, strength, and hope. But the book says that we might benefit from a medical estimate from the science. And so uh, I, as someone who has multiple addictions, uh, I, I find that uh, this where this goes and, and kind of how it evolves is an important question for the for our broader for my broader recovery. So thanks for letting me share. Oh, thank you, Tom. Okay, we have Lisa B followed by uh, Elena. Let's go over to the Palmetto State. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. Hey, hi there. Um, good morning, everybody. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I am in the beautiful state of South Carolina, and my friend Elena is following after me in South Carolina. I love this reading. So I came to A Vision for You um, by God's grace. I was led here from a fellow that told me about this meeting, and um, I was standing in an AA meeting, and I was thinking when she told me about it, I used to have a problem with food. I don't anymore. I was in so much denial. That was in 2015. And you know what? If I had come to A Vision for You five years earlier, I would have said, you guys are way too serious. Like, you're way too extreme about this. You have to work way too hard. I can't live like that. But, you know, I love reading in the chapter to the wives on page 108 and 109, 
and it goes over into 110 and it talks about the various types. So I was type 1 for a long time. And then, you know, I was type 2 um, for quite a while. And in type 2, it says, we think this person is in danger. He wants to want to stop. And that's where I was. And you know what? Then I slipped into type 3. Um, now I would have, I, I may have even gone into type four. I don't know. I think emotionally and spiritually, I was in type three and four for a long time. I was creating so much harm and damage in my life and in my family life, totally oblivious to being a tornado. I was in a thin body. I was just recovering from open heart surgery, so I was already underweight. So that really triggered my ego. You know, now I was going into my restrictive mode. But after restriction, always came a binge. And when someone told me about a vision for you, I got that chill, like, you better get on that line and listen. And when I came on this line and started hearing the truth about this disease, and, you know, where it says he wants to want to stop, I know that's not in our reading today, but that's where, that's where I could stay for so long, and that's painful. I've worked with many people that are in that place. He wants to want to stop, you know, and I don't have any power over that. All I can do is share my own experience, strength, and hope, and I don't even really have a complete explanation of what happened to me. All I know is that when I heard recovered voices and I heard that I could have permanent recovery if I followed the very precise prescription in this book that the 12 steps is a pathway to power, and I call that wonderful, loving power God. But I had to find that wonderful, loving power as a result of going through the steps because I had so many preju- so much prejudice and old ideas about this power. I thought I had a, a loving power, but I really didn't. And you know what? Sometimes I still think I have a loving power, and then I do more work, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I had so much prejudice still. So I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful that there is a window open that I can't take any credit for. I can't take any credit for even the willingness. I really believe even that is God's given. But I was blessed with a wonderful sponsor, which I can't take any credit for that too. And this fellowship has just, you know, spawned or put off healthy, recovered people, and we're blessed enough to come across them. And then we work with them, and then we become healthy, recovered people and and bring it out there. And it's all God's power and grace. I'm just a servant. So I'm so thrilled to be here and to be recovered and to have neutrality. I used to think abstinence is recovered. I used to think when I have a food plan, I'm abstinent. You know, I had to learn all of this stuff. So thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Lisa. All right, let's stay in the Carolinas. Elena, good morning. Good morning, Larry. <laughs> and guess what? Unlike Chicago, in the Palmetto State, the temperature is 60s and 70s. Ha! <laughs> okay, next so, up we have... <laughs> <laughs> good morning. Okay. No, I love Chicago. Anyway, thank you so much for all that, that beautiful people who shared. And thank you, Harlan, for I love to hear the history. I am learning so much. And... You know, I, although We Agnostic is my favorite paragraph in the book, my, the doctor's opinion is filling my heart with joy because if I didn't have the doctor's opinion chapter, I would have blamed myself for my addiction. And, you know, today my addiction is I, I use, my father was an alcoholic and I used to be scared of that, that I, I'm going to be an addict just like him. Today is the best thing that has ever to me happened to me because I have you all. I have you guys. You guys have saved my life. You guys have given me my higher power, my beautiful, amazing 
marvelous higher power who's protecting me and those I love every day. So anyway, go back to these chapters. Um, I heard in these rooms or the, I can't remember, it was the Zoom meeting, but some somehow I learned that Dr. Sofort was the first person who take, took step one because he surrendered all his medical knowledge to these people who have come from the gates of death, have come to be rescued. They were labeled as hopeless, but instead they recovered and they, they overcame this deadly, deadly disease of alcoholic addiction. So I am in mental health, and yesterday, I want to share with someone, I had a session with a mom and a daughter, mom, an addict, recovered, and um, the daughter, a teenager, not recovered teenager, right, Um, teenager in recovering, and, you know, she was blaming her mother for the addiction. She was saying, mom had a choice, mom had a choice to not do those drugs. So, and mom was trying to explain to her, no, honey, this is not my choice. Addiction was not my choice. I was trying to convince her as well. I'm like, honey, you know, I can share from my experience. This is what it is, an addiction. We don't choose to be addicts. Addiction chooses us. Anyway, the teenager not being recovered did not hear anybody. That's out of the question. But here's my point. There are people in this very world at this very minute that believe the same like this teenager that somehow we choose addiction which I chose to put that chocolate in my body and I chose eight three or four and you know what I am sad about that but you know what I have you all who don't believe that and you guys understand me and therefore I'm gonna live because of you guys and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Elena. Okay, next up we have Barbara. Good morning, Barbara. Okay, take two and um, unmute your phone, Barbara, star one. And next up we have Barbara. Okay, this isn't working. Okay, Barbara, try to press star one. We'll see if we can get you. Otherwise, we'll, we'll move on and come back to you. Okay. Well, let me tell you where we're at. We're on page uh, Roman numeral XXV in the doctor's opinion, the first uh, paragraph we have Alcoholics Anonymous through three paragraphs ending with, I had come to believe as hopeless. And we're commenting on all three paragraphs. So Barbara, one more chance. Maybe you're having some technical difficulties and we can come back if you, uh, if you jump back in. All right. Who would like to, uh, who, uh, who else would like to share? Davalyn Darian K. Elena K. Elena. Elena. I missed someone Terry there. Terry J. Terry. I got Davalyn, Darian, um, Elena, uh, Terry, if I got that right. Who did I miss? Okay, so I heard uh, Davalyn, Darian, um, I believe Ilana, and Terry. So Davalyn, why don't you get us started, followed by Darian. Good morning. 
Good morning, Larry. This is Davlin E. from Manitoba, Canada. And I couldn't resist sharing when I came to the end of that line, uh, an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. And just thinking, I never dreamed seven years ago when I came into this program that seven years later, with no beliefs and no hope of becoming a different person, the person I always wanted to be, that I would wake up at 1.30 in this, mor- this morning feeling absolutely hopeless about everything in my life, thinking I cannot do this life, and just surrendering to God and saying, God, I haven't got a clue. I really, really need your help. And sitting down with a pen and writing down the the messages that came to me and half an hour later knowing exactly what to do and that didn't come from me. The gifts of this program, never mind the abstinence and the weight loss, which are wonderful to live a healthy physical life, but the surrender to a higher power of everything in my life is the greatest gift I have ever received. And with that, I will pass. Thank you all for listening. Oh, thank you, Davalyn. Okay, I know Barbara from Italy is trying to get in. She texted me, so we'll try to get her back in when she does. But next up, we have Darian, and uh, followed by, I believe, Alana. Darian, good morning. Oh, good morning, Larry. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're coming through perfectly. Oh, perfect. Good, good. All right, this is Darian Kay from the Berkshires in Massachusetts. Grateful to be with all of you today. Um, recovered for today. And um, so good to hear all the shares and the different perspectives um, that, you know, just a few paragraphs can, can, can elicit. You know, it's just amazing. Um, I just love hearing everybody share. Um, you know, what I was thinking is a couple of things. First, a sad confession is that in the beginning of program, because I've been in a really long time, I didn't read the doctor's opinion. It wasn't a chapter in the book, like an actual chapter. And so I just, when I read the book, went to chapter one. Um, and so um, that was such a disservice um, now that I look back because there's so much um, wonderful, uh, you know, information there um, that uh, can help us understand the disease and the craving and the uh, mental twist. And so I'm so grateful that today um, that chapter is super important. And, um, you know, I was thinking about the way it was worded. You know, I I know a lot of people say that, you know, Bill and the writers of the book really um, were intentional about the wording. And an opinion um, I work with this work with kids on fact and opinion and opinion is something that you believe strongly in but it's not a proven fact and so I think it's interesting that um, you know they decided to call it the doctor's opinion not the doctor's word or the doctor's testimony um, or the way the doctor uh, sees it and it must be done <laughs> um, you know because it is his opinion um, but the but the opinion of again someone in the medical field is I think pretty um, pretty strong um, and so I think it's a really good PR for um, for this book um, you know it helps us to want to uh, to look further um, to find out what this 
this whole thing is about. However, on that, on the flip side of that, um, I was thinking I gave my name to my dear friend, um, a friend that I grew up with, um, who was a doctor. I gave my name to her um, in regard to being a, you know, an overreader. She knows that I'm in program and that, you know, she, she deals with um, a lot of obesity. She's an OBGYN and she talks to people all the time about losing weight before having children or, or whatever the situations are. And so she gave my name to two of her patients, um, which was wonderful. She texted me and let me know that they have my number. But unfortunately, I have not heard from either of them. Um, and she was sure that they would call me. <laughs> um, and by anonymity, I'm not going to text her back and say I haven't heard from her, from them. But I'm thinking in my head um, that, you know, a doctor's opinion is good and very, very, very important. But it's the people here. It's all 400 and whatever of us that really know firsthand what this disease is all about. Um, and so... You know, I can pray that these people call me and maybe they'll be um, a little more um, in tune with, you know, what this disease is about um, versus maybe a doctor's suggestion of calling somebody about their food addiction. So, you know, it's all good. It's all good thoughts. Gentle reminder. Yep. Thank you. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful, grateful that I found this program, grateful that I found this meeting and grateful for all of you. Um, helping me through a day at a time with everything that I have in my life. So I pass. Thank you so much, Larry. Oh, thank you, Darian. Okay, next up we have Ilana. Did I hear Ilana correctly, followed by Terry? Hi. Um, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> my name is Alana A. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I... One thing I really like about this um, paragraph or these couple of paragraphs is that it actually comes from a medical person saying that, that you know, the alcoholic has a hopeless condition. Because when I go to hospital, um, I've gone to hospital for uh, issues related to my addiction, but because it's food, <clears throat> primarily because I have other addictions, but because it's food, they don't see that as an addiction. So they don't treat it as an addiction. They just see that as a, a an eating disorder. And it's very sort of demoralizing to go into the hospital for help with something when the physicians don't recognize what it is. Um, I realize now, like, that, you know, there's are addictive addiction hospitals. There are hospitals for mental illness and addiction. And those hospitals will recognize which, which, um, or, or they'll recognize that that the problem that they're viewing is actually an addiction, even if it's food. Sometimes I've thought um, in a sort of very naive, um, in a very naive way, I've thought, oh, I wish I was a drug addict or I wish I was an alcoholic because at least people would recognize it and then, you know, give, 
give me some credit for having something that's really serious. But with food, it's kind of like just viewed for the most part as why can't she stop? Why can't she just get over it? Oh, but one day if she if she just really tries, she can she can stop doing what she's doing. And that's just not the case. I mean, obviously with the program we can stop. With God's help we can stop, but not not on our own power and not on my own power. So, um I'm just really glad that it just reminds me that there are medical people out there who do recognize these illnesses. It's not all just a sea of doctors who will say, like I've been told before, I've been told by many physicians, oh, uh, if you're having problems related to your 12-step program, you should probably just quit and do something else. And they don't understand when I say I can't quit. Um... But, you know, someone like my therapist, my psychotherapist, she's very familiar with um, the program in its different forms, and she understands why I never quit. Um, Thank you. She understands why it's imperative that I do this. So I'm just uh, grateful to, uh, to see these words and to get this opinion from someone who isn't actually an, an addict, but who is, who is compassionately been on the journey with addicts for a long time. Thank you. Thanks, Elena. Much appreciated. Okay, next up, Terry. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Larry. This is Terry J. again in Detroit, Michigan. Grateful, compulsive overeater. I am so excited about being to this part of the big book, The Doctor's Opinion. And uh, I came upon the AA Big Book because I do have time in another program. My credits do not transfer, apparently, because I'm still working through this process. If my transfer, if my credits transferred, I wouldn't have a problem. So I'm grateful, grateful that I stumbled up on the uh, Big Book in the line of work that I do, working with uh, drug addicts and alcoholics. So. Uh, I uh, love that that second paragraph that talks about Dr. Silkworth coming to believe that uh, the, um, let me just read it, so I'll jack it up. Uh, good earnings capacity was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. That's me. That's me. I thank God that Dr. Silkworth recognized that. I thank God for Bill that he didn't accept that, you know, that he was hopeless. Dr. Silkworth had done everything he could, and I just, you know, it's hopeless. But Bill said not so. And I am so, so, so grateful because then if he hadn't, you know, who knows where we'd be today. Um, I am grateful to be on the line. I'm grateful for all the shares that have went before me. Uh, I'm going to keep coming back no matter what because I know that the hope is in here. The writing, all the recommendations, the journaling, when I say writing, the journaling, the same things that I tell 
my clients to do, my uh, consumers to do, the writing. I have to make time for these things. Uh, My job is very demanding. I can use that as an excuse if I choose to, but I choose not to. I choose to recover from this deadly disease because it is just that. It wants to kill me. It wanted to kill me in that other addiction. And it still wants to kill me, but the disease will not win. I'm grateful for this line. I do listen to other uh, meetings, Zoom, et cetera, but this is my caveat right here. I've been here since 2013. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be recovered, and I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm abstinent for today. And and soon you'll be hearing me say this recovered word, that it really is available to all of us on the line. I'm grateful. Thank you, Larry, for your service. Thank the uh, vision for you, team, period, for your service. And at this point, I'm going to pass and let others share. Thank you. Thanks, Terry. We know you have resilience. I mean, as a Tigers fan. Okay, let's go and, and, and pick up. A, I think we got time for another couple of shares, maybe two or three shares. Who would like those uh, spots? Kim A. Jim K. Oh, gosh. Boy, I missed it. Uh, I heard Jim. There was a couple people before Jim. Donna M. Donna. C. Who is C? Something C. Okay, Donna, Jim, something C. Something C. Boss, I don't think we'll have time. I got Donna, Jim, and someone with the last initial C. Let's see if we can get them in, starting with Donna, followed by Jim. Hey, Donna. Oh, Donna, press star one. Donna, there you are, Donna. We can. You go right ahead. Great. I'm Donna M. from Toronto, Canada. And um, I enjoyed reading this, hearing this um, passage read today about um, being hopeless. Uh, I've been in the room for for many years, in and out, but I realized that I was never hopeless. Um, I kept on thinking that I could control it, Um, even though when I didn't know that, even when I thought I had surrendered. And it was only in February of 2020 when I was finally in a slim body in OA for the first time, and I went into the garbage to take food out, um, that I realized that... um, I was of a hopeless variety that I couldn't control it. And today, you know, I've been, the last few weeks, I've been quite distracted during meetings. And um, yesterday, I was working with a newcomer, um, a potential sponsee, and I, I realized that um, the need, I hadn't had a new sponsee for a little while, uh, and I, I realized the need to work with others to keep my program. And even though I have sponsees, but working with someone, starting to take them through the big book again, it just revitalized my program. And it's like um, 
Bill, who was in the hotel lobby, and then he, he made a, a call and started to work with Bob. And um, I'm, grateful. I'm, I'm so, so grateful for that. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Donna. Okay, next up, Jim, and then we'll see where we're at. Hey, Jim. Good morning. Hello, Jim. I know you're there, Jim. Press star one. <clears throat> Jim, we can't hear you, my friend. So now we're going to move on to something C. Who had the initial? Oh, Jim, I can hear you. Okay, ready this, for is you. Jim, this is Jim from the uh, Chicago, outside of Chicago, also a Cubs fan, Larry. I, um, <laughs> you know, the doctor's opinion I had uh, come upon several years ago, and my reaction was, yeah, 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 yeah. You can always find a doctor with, you know, offer up an opinion. Um. I've been in the program for, for several years and uh, have found some physical recovery. And I have a nephew who uh, is, is a medical doctor and I, he saw my physical recovery. And, uh, um, but we, we, he doesn't live in this, in, in this area. He, he, uh, I only see him periodically. And he just said, you know, hey, Uncle Jim, this is, uh, you don't understand. I see patients all the time and I, nothing ever changes. It, it, nothing ever changes. So the word hopeless in this, uh, that we just read in this opinion, I, I just, I saw in him the hopelessness of somebody in the medical profession who just doesn't see recovery. And his excitement is like, you know, how, you know, how, you know, tell me, how did this happen? So I wanted to share that. And then, now I'm reading the doctor's opinion with uh, with my sponsor, and just just actually read it a, uh, a couple of days ago, and and it's like I can see it now. I'm I'm open to it now, and uh, um, appreciate it, and learning from it, and and look forward to reading further pages of it uh, in the days to come. With that, I pass. Oh, thanks, Jim. Okay, was there someone, we got a minute left, someone with the last initial C that was trying to get in? Who's that? All right, Vasa. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Vasa, why don't we go with you with a quick minute, if you want to take that minute, Vasa. I need five minutes, Larry. <laughs> you got 50 seconds. <laughs> Oh, all right, grateful, recovering compulsive overeater. And I love the doctor's opinion. This is where I was in 1986, and, the, and somebody gave me the big book, and I read the first edition, and I wanted to know how these people recovered because I had the gift of desperation. And, uh, and then the doctor's opinion. I was very, very interested to find out what was wrong with me, and I'm so grateful to go back now and read it and the doctor's opinion, and to find the, the solution. So my time is up. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Oh, my God, Vasa. Thank you. <laughs> that was terrific. Okay, I would like to thank everyone who joined us this morning. Wonderful meeting. Um, 
And, um, you know, for those who participated today, of course, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study that's going to immediately follow it, follow our closing. The share ID for today, uh, that number is 18,730. That's 18730. We're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164. We're going to follow that by the serenity prayer. Nancy T, take it away. Thanks, Larry. Nancy T, recovered compulsive reader in Lewiston, Idaho. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, thank you.